This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Today we have a special topic, which is really based on next week's parasha, Balak. Because Balak was the prophet who, one of the prophecies of Mashiach is in parasha Balak. But I decided to start today because there's so much material. And today I'm going to focus on material in Tanakh. I'm going to focus on the material about Mashiach, which is in Tanakh, which is in the 24 books of the Torah. Nevi'im and Ketuvim, the prophets and the writings. So I'm going to focus on these prophecies. There's a lot of different prophecies. I cannot promise to put them in order. There's so many different prophecies. I'm going to try and go through them one by one. And this is uh, talking about Mashiach and third part one of Mashiach. I'm dedicating this class to the yard site of Rosa Bajulia. Rosa Bajulia, whose yard site is today. And she may her soul have an aliyah. Praise Rabbi Shem. So we know that belief in Mashiach is one of the 13 principles of faith. Ramam says, and something which we meant to say every single day, I believe with perfect faith in these 13 principles of faith, of which one of them is, I believe that the Mashiach is coming. I believe in the Mashiach, this concept of Mashiach, and Mashiach is coming. The will come speedily in our days. It's something we pray for in the Shemona Yisrael, in our prayers every single day, three times a day. There's a special bracha. It's Semach David Abdecha Mirat Asmiach. May the Semach uh, David, the uh, sapling of David, the seed of David, sprout. So we, we pray this every single day, three times a day. And what we're praying for is we're praying for Mashiach to appear. And there's a special concept called Vetsipita Lishwa. Did you hope for salvation? One of the three questions a person is asked as soon as they pass away and they get into the next world. The first three questions, one of them is, did you hope for salvation? Did you hope for Mashiach? Did you hope for things to get better? Did you hope for Mashiach to come? So that's what we say in our prayers three times a day, this concept of yearning for Mashiach. Right? So we, we yearn for Mashiach in our prayers. We're meant to believe Mashiach will come. And I think that this belief is the secret of Jewish survival. That in the worst times in Jewish history, here we are today, Why? how come we survived with this concept, this optimistic concept? It's a very optimistic concept that kept us alive for thousands of years of persecution and troubles. And that is things will get better. Things will eventually get better. Things will be fixed. Mashiach will come, Hashem will fix the world. And that is something that's kept Jews alive. You know, someone in our shul, Rabbi Shalom passed away. He used to ask me, uh, Rabbi, he says, what will be, what will be? My year, he used to ask me in Hebrew, my year, Rab, my year. So I told him, I don't know what will be, but I know the end is going to be good. And that's something that's kept us going through our Jewish history. We know that the end is good. The end will be good. Mashiach will come. Things will get better. They have to get better. So today I'm going to go through these prophecies in the Torah, in the 24 books of the Jewish Bible going through the different prophecies. So number one is the prophecy that Jacob, Yaakov Avinu, our forefather Jacob, is giving to his sons before his, his death. He's lying on his deathbed in the last parasha in the book of Bereshit, the book of Genesis, and he's giving each son an individual blessing. And in the blessing to Yehuda, who is his fourth son, who gets one of the best blessings, Yehuda gets one of the best blessings, his fourth son, he says, Lo yasur shevet Yehuda. The scepter will not depart from Judah. Chokek neben raglav. 
So it's interesting, if you look at the English queen, she has two things, she has a scepter and she has like a ball. It's like a gold ball in her hand. Um, so the scepter will not depart from his hands, which means that the line of Judah would be a line of kings. No one else is allowed to be a king of, of the Jews except for the descendant of Judah, the fourth tribe, the fourth son of Jacob. Uh, the scepter will not depart from Judah. And he says, uh, nor a scholar from among his descendants until Shiloh arrives. Uh, who is Shiloh? So the rabbi says Shiloh is one of the names of Mashiach. We're going to talk about different names for Mashiach that we have in Jewish uh, literature. One of them is the word Shiloh. Shiloh is a place in Israel as well. It's where the first Mishkan stood, the first sanctuary stood for hundreds of years. When the Jews crossed in the Jordan, Joshua builds the Mishkan in Shiloh. He moves the Mishkan to Shiloh, and there he builds a building, a stone building, uh, which is the sanctuary for hundreds of years till... Eventually, it moves to Jerusalem when King David conquers Jerusalem and builds, starts building a temple, which is completed by Shlomo Amalek, by his King Solomon. So until Shiloh arrive, arrives, and his will be an assemblage of nations. So that's the first reference we have to the king at the final days. The king Shiloh, the scepter will not depart from Judah all the way to the final king Shiloh. The second uh, reference we have in the Torah is the reference of Bilam and Balak. Bilam was the famous uh, non-Jewish prophet in the time of Moses. The Gemara says Bilam was the equivalent to Moses in prophecy, which is wild, which is hard to understand. That Bilam could see the future just as clearly as Moshe could see the future. This is one of the prophecies of Bilam. Balak, the king of Moab, hires him to curse the Jews. And instead of cursing the Jews, he comes. Well, you have prophecy in your mouth. You can't really deny your prophecy. The prophecy is coming out like a stream. And he blesses the Jews. <laughs> and Balak really gets very upset. That's next week's parasha. And so what does Bilam say? Bilam says, this is the words of those of the one who hears the sayings of God, which is Bilam. He knows the knowledge of the Supreme One, who sees the vision of Shakai. I shall see him, but not now. This is Bilam talking. I shall see him, but not now. I shall look at him, but it is not near. It's going to be in the distant future. A star has issued from Jacob. And a scepter bearer has risen from Israel. Yeah, this is the Mashiach. Um, the star, that's why Bar Kochva was called the son of the star. This is the famous prediction of Bilam, the Mashiach will come like a star, will just burst onto the scene like a comet, probably, like a comet. And uh, a star shall issue from Jacob, and a scepter bearer, which is a king from Israel. He shall pierce the nobles of Moab, and undermine the children of Seth. Edom shall be a conquest, and Seir shall be a conquest of his enemies. And Israel will attain success. Okay, so this is the prediction of Bilam, which is next week's parasha. The next prediction is amazing prediction and that is uh, Moshe Rabbeinu Moses before his death 30 days before his death writes the book of Deuteronomy writes the book of Devarim and in the book of Devarim you'll find this pasuk uh, which discusses actually the Arei Miklat the cities of refuge the person was uh, found guilty of killing someone through manslaughter through negligence 
they weren't careful when they're doing something and they by, by negligence they killed someone. There's no death penalty in Jewish law. The person is going to run away to a city of refuge, which is mainly a city of Levites. And it's like a, a kind of rehab center. So instead of putting him in jail where they learn bad things from other prisoners, there's a rehab center and he's in this rehab center and the Torah says to, to make six rehab centers, six, six cities of Miklat, six cities of refuge, three on the west side of the Jordan and three on the east side of the Jordan. And, and then it says something very interesting. He says, When Hashem will increase your boundaries, right? when will Hashem increase our boundaries? As he swore to our forefathers, he will give us the entire land that he spoke to our forefathers to give. And then he says, you shall make three more cities of refuge. So we see over here, this mitzvah is never carried out. So this hasn't happened yet. When Hashem will increase our boundaries, then we're going to make three more cities of refuge. That, the rabbis say, is the Messianic period. Okay, I'm moving on now to Parashat Nitzavim, which happened to be my Bar Mitzvah parasha, which is towards the end of the book of Deuteronomy, the ends of the book of Devarim. And look what he says. Amazing prediction. Imagine Moshe Rabbeinu 3,500 years ago is giving a prediction. All these things that I talked about in the book of Deuteronomy, the blessings and the curses will come true and they'll come upon you. When after all these blessings and curses have come true, and you will put them on your heart, you will think about them, right? in the lands of the nations in which I've scattered you, which is in the Galut, which is in the exile. That's why Hashem has scattered us. We will do Teshuva. Moshe Rabbeinu says you will do Teshuva at the end of days after the scattering among the nations. You listen to God's voice. Everything he commanded today, you and your children with all your hearts and with all your souls. And you will return to the Lord your God. And Hashem will return you and have mercy on you, and he will gather you from the nations of the world where he scattered you. This amazing prophecy, which we ourselves are witnessing in our day. This is amazing. We are the luckiest generation. We are witnessing. We saw the scattering of the Jews in the four corners of the world. Wherever you go in the world, there's always some Jews, Chabad, there's always something anywhere. But today we're also witnessing the ingathering of the exiles, ingathering the Jewish people to Israel, which is predicted at the end of Deuteronomy 3,500 years ago. Imagine, Moshe Rabbeinu never even got into Israel. He's already predicting that we're going to go into Israel, we're going to be scattered in the four corners of the world, which is the exile we're in now, and then Hashem is going to ingather us, like me, back to Yerushalayim, Yerakodesh, back to Jerusalem, so lucky, back into the land of Israel. This is the ingathering of the exiles, which Moshe Rabbeinu predicted 3,500 odd years ago. Hashem will bring you to the land that your forefathers inherited and you will inherit it and it will be good for you and you will have more than your forefathers will have more blessing than our forefathers and then there's a very weird prediction Hashem will circumcise our hearts what does that mean? that means we will lose our free will to do evil that is the end of days the end of days is Mashiach's time is when people will stop doing evil because Hashem will remove the Yetzer Harah, the evil inclination from us. So that's already predicted in the Barim. This is Barim chapter 30. It's a very interesting reading. Please read it after the class. The Varim Deuteronomy 30, chapter 30, Lambert, 
uh, verses 1 to 20 talks about our day and age. It's amazing. This is our day and age. We've been through the scattering among the nations, and we are being ingathered today. We even have Nefesh Benefesh to help us. And then Mashiach is going to come. Let's see, the icing on the cake is the Mashiach. And Tikkun HaOlam, the world will be fixed. There'll be no more wars. We're going to come to the prediction in Mishayah. We're going to talk about that. But as well, Hashem will get to that today. So Hashem will circumcise your heart. Moshe Rabbeinu says, there'll be no more evil. You'll not run after evil anymore. And Hashem will uh, give you all the blessings and the curses will go on your enemies. And you will repent and you'll come back and listen to the voice of God. And you'll do all his commandments, which I'm commanding you today. Beautiful, beautiful verses. And Hashem will bless us tremendously in the fruits of the land, in the fruits of people have many children, and just like Hashem was happy and rejoiced with our forefathers, who rejoiced with us, if we listen to his voice, if we listen to the mitzvot, Hashem will rejoice with us and make us rejoice. Amazing, amazing prediction, which we are seeing today coming true in front of our very eyes. Okay, I'd like to move on to the concept of Mashiach. You'll note the Torah itself, the five books of Moshe, does not mention the word Mashiach. The word Mashiach is first used when Shmuel Hanavi, actually it's used in the Torah in the context of the Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol is called the Mashiach. Why? Because Moshe Rabbeinu anoints his brother Aaron. So it's interesting, the high priest was anointed by Moshe Rabbeinu. Moses anoints his brother Aaron. And that's the only place we find in the five books of Moshe where it mentions this word Mashiach or in English Messiah. I don't like the word Messiah. It has terrible connotations, very foreign connotations. But the word Mashiach is what the word Messiah comes from. Mashiach means simply the anointed one. In those days of Jewish law, they would anoint the high priest and they would anoint the king. For the king, there was no king. And yet, Moshe was not a king. Although the Rambam calls him a king, he was not anointed. Who was anointed? His brother Aaron was anointed to be the high priest. So that's where the word Mashiach appears in the five books of Moses, the anointing of Aharon. It's called the anointed one, the Mashiach. Now we come to book of Samuel, book of Shmuel, Aleph, Samuel, where it talks about the Samuel anointed Shaul, the first king of Israel was King Saul, who was a big tzaddik, the rabbi tells us, a tremendous tzaddik. It says he would pay for the weddings of all the poor girls who couldn't get married, he would support them and pay for their weddings. The big Sadiq Shaul, King Saul, however, unfortunately, things did not end off well for him. And uh, he lost his kingdom and was taken away and given to someone else, and that is David HaMelech. So here, we're in Samuel 1, and we're in chapter 16, uh, and we're in verse 13. And it says, Hashem said to Shmuel Hanavi, he said to Samuel, take your flask of oil and go and anoint the new king. Okay. And this is talking about Shaul. So it's in chapter 16 of Samuel 1, the anointing of King Saul. And over there, it uses the word Mashiach. Uh, and Shmuel took the horn of oil, olive oil, and he anointed him. That's where the word Mashiach comes from. He anointed Saul to be the king. So when Saul lost his kingdom, Hashem tells uh, David, actually before that, David is being hunted by King Saul. 
King Saul views David as a traitor, even though he was a son-in-law. David helped Saul tremendously in the army. He uh, beat Goliath for King Saul. However, King Saul was jealous of David. Obviously, he heard rumors that David was anointed as well to be the next king. And uh, people would sing songs that uh, Saul was successful in war, but David was even more successful. So the, King Saul hunted David, David as a traitor. He viewed David as a traitor, even though he wasn't. And he hunted him. And uh, Saul takes 3,000 men to go and hunt David in a cave in the, in the barren wilderness around Jerusalem. Because that's a book. That's, uh, there's a lot of wilderness around. So the Dead Sea, all the way to the Dead Sea, it's all wilderness. And David is hiding in a cave, and Shaul comes and picks that same cave to go in. He can't see anyone in the cave. It's so dark in the cave, and David and his men are hiding in the back of the cave. And David's men say, David, now's your chance to get vengeance on Saul, who is hunting you. Go kill him now. And what does David say? David says, I can't do it. I can't do it. You know why? Because he is Mashiach Hashem. Saul is the anointed one of God. Yeah, yeah, I just want to read you the words. We David says to his men, this is in Shmuel Aleph in Samuel 1, chapter 24, verse 7. He says, How can I do this sacrilege before Hashem? If I do this thing, to my master, to the Mashiach. He's Mashiach Hashem, he's the Messiah of God. To put my hand on him. Again, he repeats, Ki Mashiach Hashem Hu. He is the Mashiach of God. So we find this concept of Mashiach is the anointed one. Right? So first, the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, was anointed for the Mashiach. And now King Saul is anointed for the Mashiach. And now we come to the anointment of King David, where again, Samuel is told to anoint David, and he goes. He's the eighth son. There's a contradiction in different Pesukim. Is he the uh, seventh son or eighth son uh, of uh, Yishai of Jesse and uh, Shmuel goes it's a beautiful story, you gotta look at the story and see how Shmuel, the Nabi, the prophet was fooled one by one by the sons of Yishai, they were all handsome tall, strapping, strong men and everyone he saw he thought was Mashiach until he asked Yishai, he says you have any more sons, we've run out of sons and Yishai says, oh yeah, I have another son the youngest son He's in the fields looking after the sheep. And Shmuel says, bring him, bring him here. Because God has revealed to me that none of these will be king. Because uh, Hashem says, Adam Rebe Naim. When a person sees with his eyes, Ani Rebe Nabab, Hashem says, I look at the heart. I look at the insides of the person. I don't look from the outside. Shmuel, even though he's a prophet, without his prophecy, he was just looking at the outward appearance of the person. Wow, these handsome men can all be kings. And Hashem says, I don't, I don't care about the outside appearance. I care about the inside of the person, what kind of person they are, what kind of personality they have, what kind of belief system they have, how inwardly religious are they, how pious are they inwardly, not just outwardly. So Shaul anoints David. That's how he anointed David, the youngest son of Mishai. Okay, now we come to the next anointment, which is the son of David. And David had many, many sons, and each one wanted the job. His main one, oldest son was Adoniah. Adoniah wants to be the king. And uh, Bathsheba, his, one of his wives, comes to him, says, you promised my son Shlomo, Solomon. 
You promised my son Shlomo is going to be the king. David says quickly to the prophet Nathan, Natana Navi, and Benayal ben Yehoyada, who is the head of the army, go and make sure you anoint my son Shlomo. So I just want to read you that section over here. Call for me the high priest Sadok, Natana Navi, and Nathan the prophet, Benayal ben Yehoyada, and the head of the guards, Benayahu. And take my son Shlomo and put him on my mule, which is a royal mule in those days. And take him down to the Gihon stream, which is outside of Shalim. And anoint him there. Who's going to anoint him? The high priest Sadok is going to anoint Shlomo Solomon to be the next king you blow the shofar may the king Solomon live okay so, and he will come back and he will sit on my throne he will be the king instead of me so here we have this became the official uh, process of appointing a king the Talmud said that's only if there was a debate who's going to be the king, they would actually anoint someone. So to avoid any debates, avoid any machloket, fights, they would actually appoint, anoint someone with oil. That was the Mashiach. So anointing with oil, however, a real king had a son and there was no rivals to the throne, that son would automatically become a king after the father died. However, there was a rivalry to the throne, then they would actually anoint one of the sons as king to avoid any uh, fighting. So now we come to one of the beautiful prophecies of the book of Ishayahu, Isaiah, the prophet in chapter 10, uh, sorry, chapter 11, and uh, at the beginning starts from the beginning of chapter 11, Ishayahu Anabi has this prophecy, one of the major prophecies about person Mashiach, that Mashiach is not just a chain of events, Mashiach is actually a physical person, we don't know who it is going to be, but it's a physical person, and it's going to be a direct descendant of King David. And that's what Yeshua says over here. A staff will emerge from the stump of Yeshai, of Jesse, who was the father of King David. And a shoot will sprout from his roots. And the spirit of God will rest upon him. A spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and fear of God. He will be imbued with the spirit of God, fear of God, and will not need to judge by what his eyes see, nor decide by what his ears hear. In other words, he'll be a judge who can smell out people, who can see the person inside and see if he's a liar, he's a chain the truth, he's a crook, he's a righteous person, what kind of person he is. And that is one of the jobs of Mashiach, he's going to be a judge can smell things out, doesn't need to hear arguments, he can just tell who's right and wrong just by looking at people. He will judge the destitute with righteousness and decide with fairness for the humble of earth. He will strike the wicked of the world with the rod of his mouth, whatever that means, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Oh. Righteousness will be the girdle around his loins and faith will be the girdle around his waist. This is Isaiah chapter 11, I invite you all to have a look at Isaiah chapter 11. And then the famous prediction, which is written on the Isaiah wall of the UN. Unfortunately, I don't keep the mission, but it's part of the mission of UN to make peace in the world, which unfortunately they're actually corrupting. 
and the, word, the wolf will live with the sheep, the leopard will be, lie down with the kid, and a calf will lie down with the lion's whelp, and a fatling will walk together, and a young child will lead them, lead all these wild animals and domesticated animals. A cow and a bear will graze, and the young will lie down together, and a lion, like cattle, will eat hay. Well, lions will have to be vegetarian. That's according to the chapter, the simple explanation of this pasuk. Rambam, there's the big debate, the Rambam and the Ramban. Nachmanides says, take it literally. All these uh, prophecies should be taken literally. Yes, it's true. The wolf will live with the lamb and the lion will eat hay. Yes, all these things will come true. The Rambam says, all these things are parables applying to the nations of the world. Some nations are like sheep. Some nations are like wolves. And eventually when Mashiach will come, everyone will get along without fighting and killing each other. But it's in our day. They will neither injure nor destroy in all my sacred mountain, for the earth will be as filled with the knowledge of God as the water covers the seabed. It shall be on that day the descendant of Jesse, of Yishai, who stands as a banner for the people. Nations will seek him, and his resting place will be glorious. On that day, the Lord will again show his hand to acquire the remnant of his people who have remained from all the different lands. He goes into details for all the lands around, from the islands of the sea. He'll raise a banner for the nations and assemble the castaways of Israel. Now, is this talking about the banner, the flag of Israel, which is uh, calling out to all the Jews around the world to come, but, or a different flag? He'll raise a banner for the nations and assemble the castaways of Israel. Amazing prediction. And he will gather in the dispersed ones of Judah from the four corners of the earth. This is building on Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy, as we talked about at the end of Deuteronomy, at the end of Deuteronomy. The jealousy of Ephraim shall stop, and the oppressors of Judah shall be cut off. So we know that the, 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 there were two kingdoms in the first Jewish commonwealth, um, the kingdom of Judah, by David and his descendants, and the kingdom of Ephraim, when Yeravon ben Nevat broke away from the kingdom of Rehavon, the son of, of Shlomo. There were two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of ten tribes, under Ephraim, and the southern kingdom of Judah with two and a half tribes uh, in the south, and Ephraim was jealous of Judah, and they never joined up together, which is the precursor of the destruction is always when Jews don't get along. When Jews don't get along and we disintegrate then the trouble start. And that was the disintegration of the first commonwealth. It broke into two pieces, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. So here the prediction Yeshayahu says is that Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah, Judah will not be corrupt, and it will be one nation under God, one nation under God. This is the statement which on which the uh, United States was built on. One nation under God. We are the one nation under God. So it's taken from our Torah. To be one nation under God is taken from this prediction of uh, Yeshayahu, Isaiah the prophet, in chapter 11, so the jealousy of Ephraim will stop, and the oppressors of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah, and Judah will not harass Ephraim. They will fly in unison. They'll fly with strength. Okay, beautiful. Beautiful uh, beautiful prediction. All the Jews will come back, and they won't fight with each other. So this is a great prediction of Isaiah the prophet. And there's other predictions in Isaiah. In chapter uh, 53, uh, starting from verse 14. Yaskil Avdi, Yaskil Avdi, behold, my servant will succeed. This is talking about the Messiah. 
He will be exalted and become high and exceedingly lofty. Just as multitudes were astonished over you, saying his appearance is too marked to be a man's, his visage to be a human, so will many nations exclaim about him. And people will, and the kings will shut their mouths in amazement, for they will see that which they have never been told to them, and they will perceive things they had never heard. Whereas there'll be a mass kind of revelation, that's what it seems. Okay. For whom has the arm of Hashem been revealed? Formerly he grew like a sapling or like a root from the ground. We saw him, and so on and so forth. So this is the prediction of the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 53. And he goes on. Sing out, O barren one who has not given birth. Break into glad song and be jubilant. For the children of the desolate Jerusalem will outnumber the children of the inhabited one, which is Rome or Babylon. Okay, so he's predicting that Jerusalem will flourish and our enemies will disintegrate. Okay, I'm going to stop this, uh, uh, this. You can have a look for your own benefit. It's on Isaiah chapter 53. I'm moving on to later prophecies. Prophecy in Ezekiel. Cheskel. Uh, and the word of God came to me saying, You, the son of man, take for yourself one piece of wood and write on it for Judah and, the ch- and for the children of Israel and his comrades. And take another piece of wood and write upon it for Joseph, the wood of Ephraim and all the house of Israel, his comrades. Then bring them close to yourself, one to another, like one piece of wood, and they will become united in your hand. Imagine. Two pieces of wood, symbolizing the two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah, which caused the destruction of the first temple. Take two pieces of wood, write down Israel on one, Judah on the other, put them together in your hands, and they will turn into one piece of wood, which is the united kingdom. There's Radashem, we will be the united kingdom. This is the prediction for the future, all the Jews united in one kingdom. Thus said the Lord Hashem, behold, this is in Ezekiel chapter 37, from verse 15 onwards. Thus says the Lord Hashem Elohim, Behold, I'm taking the children of Israel from among the nations to which they have gone. I will gather them from all around. I will bring them to their soil. I will make them into one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. And one king will be a king for them all. They will no longer be two nations. They will no longer be divided into two kingdoms ever again. They will no longer be contaminated with their idols and with all their sins. I will save them taking them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned, and I will purify them. They will be a nation to me, and I will be a God to them. My servant David will be a king over them, and there will be one shepherd for all of them. They will follow my commandments and keep my decrees and fulfill them. They will dwell on the land that I gave to my servant Jacob, within which your fathers dwelled. They and their children and their children's children will dwell upon it forever. And my servant David will be a leader for them forever. I will seal a covenant of peace with them. It will be an eternal covenant with them. And I will place them and increase them. I will place my sanctuary among them together forever. My dwelling place will be among them. I will be a God to them and they will be a people to me. Then the nations will know that I am Hashem who sanctifies Israel. And my sanctuary will be among them forever. This is what everyone's scared of. The Benedict Dutch will come back. The sanctuary of God will come back. And everyone will know that God is the ruler of the world. 
Well, I can't wait for that day to happen. But Israel Hashem speedily in our days when we see this. Then he continues with the famous Gog Umagog prophecy of a, a world war. Hopefully this world war was the second world war. There are some people that say it was a second world war. Rabbi Mordechai Sharabi, one of the big Kabbalists in Jerusalem, who passed away about 20 years ago. He said this Gog Umagog war, this massive war, world war, uh, was the Second World War. I hope he was right, but Radoshem won't see any more world wars in our time. But there's a terrible prediction over here. If you want to look at it, it's in Ezekiel 38. And uh, however, the Jews in Israel survive. And then it, he talks about the Third Temple. He talks about the, what, what's how to design the Third Temple. Imagine. Amazing. That's in the end of the book of Ezekiel. Okay, we're moving on. To the prophet Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah, towards the end again of the second of the first temple period. Gili me'od batzion, rejoice tremendously, the daughter of Zion. Shout for joy, O daughter of Jerusalem, for behold, your king will come to you, righteous and victorious as he, a humble man riding upon a donkey. I will eliminate any battle chariots from Ephraim, any war horse from Jerusalem. And the bow of warfare will be eliminated. He will speak peace to the nations. His dominion will be from sea to sea. It's where the Americans got it from. The sea to sea. And from river to the ends of the earth. Wow. This is the king, Messiah. And, um, and the prediction, this is a prediction of Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah chapter 9. Um, in verse 9, chapter 9, verse 9, beautiful prediction that we Jews should rejoice. Can't wait for that day, we can rejoice, and Hashem will bring the Mashiach. And uh, but over here it says Hashem will bring the Mashiach on the on a mule. Okay, so a mule is not a very good thing to be, you know, it's like today's uh, they'll bring the Mashiach on a, I don't know, on a Skoda. On a, like a workhorse uh, vehicle, a workhorse on a tractor, I don't know. So it's a very low kind of prediction. However, there's beautiful predictions in the book of Daniel, where Hashem predicts that the Mashiach will come from the stars. Mashiach will come in the heavens. And that's the contradiction between the two books, which the Gemara talks about. I'm going to talk about that right now. So that was the, the, sto the uh, stories of the Mashiach in Tanakh. In the Torah, Nevi'im, in the 24 books of the Jewish Bible, of the books of the Bible, five books of Moses, the books of the prophets, and the books of the Chronicles. And those are the major, major uh, predictions about Mashiach. So, number one, we see the Mashiach's got to be from the descendants of David, from as uh, the, the, the trunk of Yishai, who was Yishai, was Jesse, was the father of David, from the line of David. And before that, from the line of Judah. So David was from the line of Judah. So that's the prediction that our Mashiach, our king, is coming from the line of Judah. And uh, as the prophet Yeshayahu says, Choter Megeza Yishai, a branch from the trunk of Jesse, from the trunk of Yishai. So he's going to be from the seed of uh, David. And so say the other prophets, uh, Jeremiah, chapter 33. Ezekiel, David, Abdi, Nasi, Lahem, Leonam. David in Ezekiel 37, verse 25. David, my servant, will be a prince over them forever. 
Okay. So again, all this is built on the prophecy of Jacob, which says that the scepter will not depart from Judah. Which scepter we're talking about? That is King David, David's scepter. And he's going to be the king, and his descendants will be kings, and Mashiach will come from there. Okay. Okay, we're moving on to now the words of the rabbis in the Talmud and other places in the, in the Midrash. So the rabbis were very, very, spoke a lot about Mashiach. As I said, this is one of the principles of faith Judaism, one of the 30 principles of faith of Judaism. And uh, so I just want to clarify uh, the prophecy says it's going to come on a mule, not a donkey. It's a pedid. A pedid is a, is a mule, not a donkey. It doesn't say Hamor, it says a pedit. A pedit is a mule, a cross between a horse and a donkey. So even though the Jews are not allowed to make that, we're allowed to use it. It's, a, it's kosher to be used. We're not allowed to actually make crossbreed. But if a crossbreed was made already, we're allowed to use the crossbreed. So a mule apparently has the advantages of both animals. So uh, why use a mule? Because in those days, there were no real roads. The roads were very poor. And uh, a horse can lose its footing much easier than a donkey, and therefore, but it, a donkey cannot walk as fast as a horse. So, crossbreed has the best of both. He's sure-footed like a mule, like a donkey. He's a hard worker like a donkey, and he can go faster than a regular donkey. So that's clarification. It's the Mashiach is going to come on a mule, according to the prophecy of Zechariah, whereas the prophecy of Daniel is he's going to come in the clouds. So the Gemara asked that question. There's a contradiction between the two prophecies. And the Gemara says, if we are worthy, Mashiach will come with miracles, massive miracles. That's what the book of Daniel is talking about. If the Jews are worthy of massive miracles, he'll come in the clouds with massive miracles. Bezrat Hashem doesn't look like it right now. It doesn't seem to be approaching with miracles. Otherwise, he'll come like a mule, which is slowly plodding like a mule in a very natural way. And that's what we are seeing now. In front of our very eyes, Mashiach is coming, plodding slowly. 70 years, we have the state of Israel. The Jews are coming into the land of Israel very slowly. We have, we have beset with enemies inside us and outside us. And that is the prediction of Zechariah. However, I'd like to see the prediction of Daniel come true instead. And that is, let's have some miracles. Hashem should make miracles, more miracles like the Six-Day War. Um, we need massive miracles to arouse people around the world and say, wow, there's something beyond nature happening over here in the land of Israel. This is how the Baal Teshuvah movement started. The Six-Day War kicked off the Baal Teshuvah movement, kicked off a lot of awakening around the world uh, with Jews, non-Jews. Everyone started saying, wow, Israel is amazing. It's a miracle. So we need a miracle like that to wake people up. Hashem should send us miracles like it says in the book of Daniel. Mashiach should come in the clouds, but it's rather shame. So it depends on whether we are worthy. Are we worthy or not? We're going to try and be worthy, do the shuva, do moments for and thank God for what we have, but we can do better. We can always do better, but it's rather shame. We'll do better. And, but the, the rabbis always talked about Mashiach because we said this is the most optimistic view of the future. And the rabbis lived in terrible times. The Mishnah times was already post the destruction of the second temple. Under the Roman persecution, the mission was written. The Talmud was written in Israel was under terrible Roman persecution. The Talmud, the Babylonian Talmud was written in Babylon in exile over there with their post persecution. It was better than the status of Jews in Israel at that time, but it's much, it wasn't anything to be desired. So with all that, they focused on something optimistic. 
Where do we find optimism in the Torah? Mashiach. Mashiach is the most optimistic idea we have. So let's run with it. So the rabbis ran with it in the Talmud, ran with it in the countries, ran with it right through the till modern era. Mashiach. We want Mashiach, Mashiach, Mashiach. Why? Optimism. The Jews live with optimism. It gives us something to hope for. Hatikva, we our hope. We never lost our hope through the centuries. A Jew loses hope, they're finished. They're going to amalgamate. They're going to assimilate. It's very important to keep this hope alive. Hashem will send Mashiach and save us all. There's rather Hashem physically and spiritually to serve him and build, rebuild a bit of the dash. There's rather Hashem. So Mashiach is one of the central themes right through the Talmud, right through rabbinical literature. And uh, there's actually a whole section of the Talmud called Parsh, uh, Perek Helek. Call Israel, we always start off uh, Mishnah Perek. We always start off with this. It's a different Mishnah. It's a Mishnah in Sanhedrin, the 10th chapter of Sanhedrin. Call Israel, every single Jew is a portion of the world to come. And there's a big debate between the Rambam and the Ramban, Maimonides and Nachmanides. Is the world to come the same as the Messianic era? Or is it a state of affairs after the Messianic era? So Rambam seems to say that the world to come is part of the Messianic era. It's uh, the Messianic era leads up to the world to come. And uh, the world to come is a world which is totally spiritual, whereas the Messianic era is a physical world right here and now. So in the, in the here and now, in this physical world, the Messianic era will lead it to a spiritual world, whereas the Ramban seems to say that they are one and the same. The Messianic era will be after Tichatamitim, the dead will rise. However, their bodies will be elevated to a spiritual sense to go straight Mashiach Olamba. Okay, whatever that, let's see. We'll go into more details next week. So it's not just a hope for the future. It's a hope that we should have every single day of our life. You know, I just want to tell you two stories. Two great rabbis. One was the Briska Rav. The Briska Rav, it says, one day came to his daughter. He says, please, please. I know it's late. It's like 10 o'clock at night. Please stitch my button on my best jacket. So the daughter says, why, Dad? You don't know where to jacket until Shabbat. She says, yes, but maybe the Mashiach will come, and I won't even have a nice jacket to wear when he comes. He can come anytime. Maybe he'll come now, and I won't have a nice jacket. My, my button will be missing for my jacket. So that's a nice story. The other story is Rabbi Wachogel, who is the Mashiach of Lakewood Yeshiva in Lakewood, New Jersey. The first Mashkiach says he always kept a packed bag under his bed. He says, Mashiach comes, I'll take the next flight to Israel. Or Mashiach will arrange for us transportation to Israel on the wings of eagles, whatever that means. And then, so therefore he was always packed, ready to go. We Jews, every second of the day, we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe now, and this is a mitzvah to hope for Mashiach every second of the day, but we can help Mashiach by doing a moment's fort, by praying, and by coming to Israel ourselves, make moments fort in Israel, bring Mashiach, more spirituality, the more signs of Mashiach there will be. Because Rabbi Hashem, the predictions are, when the Jews do Teshuvah, as we mentioned at the end of Dvarim, Hashem will gather us back into our land, which we're seeing it today. Baruch Hashem, we're seeing it today. There's never been as many Bali Teshuvah as today. There's never been as much Torah study as there is today. There's never been as much building in the land of Israel as there is today. The Gemara says one of the signs of Mashiach is when the land of Israel gives tremendous amounts of fruit. And we're seeing that today, the fruits of Israel. You know, I talked about last week how I had a 
a mishmish tree. How do you say mishmish in Hebrew? <laughs> an apricot tree, I think it is. An apricot tree outside my window. It grew by itself. So while a tree, I don't know how, someone threw a seed over there, the seed took uh, root, and it grew outside my window, and I got nine beautiful apricots. Now, in Israel, you got to wait three years. Well, the first three years are orla. You can't use it anywhere in the world. You can't use it. From the, it's, uh, in Israel, it's from the, a law from the Torah. So I found out it was actually the fifth or the sixth year of this tree. Um, and therefore, I could take, separate Truma and Master, which I did for the first time in many years. And I ate, I never tasted such juicy, sweet apricots, I think, in my life. And the pure and organic apricots from outside my window, what a gift from God. <laughs> he gives me some apricots. We only got nine apricots. A lot of the worms uh, ate the apricots that fell on the ground. But next year, Benjamin will get a big harvest. The next year, Shemitah. So that means that the tree will be open for everyone, all comers, to come and take apricots, whatever they want. So uh, looking forward to that. More apricots for my tree outside my yard. There's rather shame. Uh, this, this is one of the signs of messianic sign. is when Israel gives its fruits in abundance. Uh, you go to the supermarkets over here, everything is fresh, everything is clean, everything is hygienic. It's beautiful to see all the fruits of Israel. Fruits, vegetables. I've never had so many vegetables, fresh vegetables, and they taste different. They're much better quality than anywhere else. So maybe in America, they taste like cardboard. Over here, they really, the melons taste sweet. The watermelons, amazing watermelons. Oh. Okay, let's not go into that. Okay. So, the messianic predictions in the book of the Talmud, you Sanhedrin, Perichelic, it's full of stories about the Mashiach, what's going to happen, every single Jew is a portion of the world to come, and uh, the, the difference between the world to come and the days of the Mashiach. It's a whole big discussion. We have to talk about more uh, next week, but it's rather shame. Uh, discussion between the Rambam and the Ramban, Maimonides and Nachmanides. It's a hope for a better time among the Jews. There will be no more wars, no more persecution, and we'll be left to serve God in abundance. We'll be able to serve God in abundance and security. That's all we're looking for. And I'm going to talk about that next week, the predictions of the Talmud and the Rambam and uh, the redactor of David Kibchi, one of the famous medieval commentators on the Nach on the Vim and Kituvim says, These things, the Messianic era, are the purpose, the final purpose of the creation of the world. The whole point of the creation of the world was for this period, which is coming up, the period of Mashiach. All of creation was for this period only. And, uh, as he, and he brings a quote, this amazing quote from the beginning of the Torah. It says, The Ruach Elohim the spirit of God was resting or floating above the waters. So this is, he says, is the orange Mashiach. This is the light of the Mashiach was floating on the waters, waiting for the right time in history to appear. This Radashem, speedily in our days. I'm going to stop here and I'm going to continue with Radashem with this topic next week. Please join me and bring your friends. And Bez Radashem will all have a good week and a great Shabbat. And looking forward to great things here in Israel and around the world. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.